Well, it's great to be back for another week of shows on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. I'm Pete Mundo, and thanks so much for joining us and being a part of the show. Before we get it going, guys, I know many of you are regular listeners, but you haven't subscribed, left that rating, review. Do me a favor. It'll take you 30 seconds. Leave a rating and review. It helps us, helps this show tremendously. And if you want a free Heartland College Sports koozie, I'll send you one. Just email me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. And we'll get that koozie in the mail for you guys. Really appreciate it. So we'll start off with the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Just touch on that for a couple of minutes. And then I want to tell you, as much as you might not like the ESPN Plus platform that many Big 12 basketball games and a couple of football games have been on this year. It could be a lot worse. could be a lot worse. I'll get to that here coming up in a couple of minutes. But the Big 12 SEC Challenge is in the books. And, you know, 5-5 five and five ended a tie. Not wild about it because the SEC is not a basketball conference. But based on where things are right now in the Big 12, where there are the haves and the have-nots this year, in this conference on the basketball side of things, I'm not shocked. I mean, you really have three teams that look like they can compete for a Big 12 title. You've got Baylor, you've got Kansas, you've got West Virginia. Then you have a drop-off and you get to Texas Tech. Now, if Tech learns how to shoot, they can buck this trend, but they're having issues with that right now. So you have Tech kind of in its own category. Maybe if you want, you can throw Oklahoma in there as well. And then you kind of drop off to the... TCU's, Texas's, Kansas State's, Oklahoma State's, and Iowa State's of the world. Uh, Many of them are just having rough seasons, rougher than expected in many respects as well. So the teams that had to get it done, the teams that can compete not just for a deep March run, but maybe even a Final Four run in a national championship, they won the games they were supposed to win. West Virginia blew out Missouri 74-51. to Kansas took care of Tennessee at home 74-68. And then you had... Uh, Baylor rolling Florida 72-61. To me, the best game coming after this Big 12 SEC Challenge was Baylor because of how the number one teams have failed to hold on to that number one spot throughout this season. And they were down early on the road 17-9. They're missing Tristan Clark due to a knee injury, and they come back and they win that game fairly convincingly running away, really, in that second half. So that was the best win of the Big 12 SEC Challenge for this conference. Now, the worst loss I'm giving to the Texas Longhorns for a couple of reasons. Now, you can sit here and you can say, well, you know, K-State, TCU, uh, Texas Tech in overtime to Kentucky. I mean, Tech played right with them. It was a solid top 25 ranked game. Yes, in hindsight, Chris Beard's team had their opportunities to win. They did not get it done. That's too bad. But when I look at that Texas game and the fact that the Longhorns were at home, Shaka Smart's been struggling with this team. They're down as many as 16 points. They do have a second-half comeback. They utilize some full-court pressure, and they still can't get the win over LSU. That is frustrating. That is disappointing. And for Shaka Smart, I mean, you, you just can't be a, you can't afford to be losing games right now if you're Shaka Smart. And he lost that one, and it did not look pretty at times. Yes, once again, they made a push, but they did not get it done down in Austin. And Shaka Smart has got to be feeling the heat, man. He's just got to be feeling the heat, especially when you look at the fact that Rick Barnes is doing what he's done here the last couple of years at Tennessee. I mean, how bad 
does not the current, but the former Texas administration look for that job? I mean, goodness gracious. The same guys that hire Charlie Strong, who was a great man, but just didn't work here. Also fire Rick Barnes, hire Shaka Smart. (sighs) Boy, that is not a good look for the Texas administration. Once again, now you've got Chris Del Conte in there, athletic director who did a great job at TCU. He is arguably the best AD in America. That's how good this guy is. They've got a good one now, but you got to be questioning what's going on with that basketball program. I know they have a what new arena coming their way and whatnot, but boy, oh boy, it's it's not a good scene right now that is uh, taking place down there in Austin, Texas. Not good whatsoever. So that's your rundown of the Big 12 SEC tournament, and it's going to be very interesting to follow here how the rest of the year plays out in this conference. Matthew Postens, our Big 12 basketball insider, he's going to join us here in a few minutes to talk a little bit more about the basketball scene. Now for the football scene, and this is not really football, it's more conference-wide, but you may have missed this. In fact, I missed it until I saw it uh, earlier this week. The Pac-12 has partnered with a video streaming service you've probably never heard of called Vidgo. Yes. Uh, talk about an announcement that went under the radar. Last week, the Pac-12 announced a new distribution partnership with a streaming company called Vidgo. This comes from Matt Brown of mattbrown.com. He does very good work there, mattbrown.substack.com. He goes, I've never heard of VidGo. None of my coworkers had heard of VidGo. And the most common response to the news on Twitter was some variation of what the hell is VidGo? So it's a fair question. So VidGo is basically a streaming platform. It's not a new company, but it's a streaming platform that they only launched English streaming packages in back in December. The company also offers a streaming package of Spanish language television, which includes various sports channels like ESPN Deportes. The Pac-12 does not currently offer Spanish language programming. So what makes Vidgo different from the slew of other streaming companies that are out there? Well, there's two main differences. The first is the idea of social TV, which basically seeks to provide a similar experience to watching a game with a second screen open to Twitter or perhaps a group chat with friends. That's what it basically is. Users will be able to send memes, chat with friends, vote in polls, all from within the same app. Also in the future, some of these chats will be moderated by various celebrities. So you could watch like The Bachelor and then chat with a former Bachelor contestant or watch the Pac-12 network event with a former Pac-12 athlete. The company did add that they don't anticipate social TV being ready at launch, so no comment from the Pac-12 or from VidGo on specific Pac-12 personalities or anything like that or how that might work out. Now, this is kind of neat, by the way. I'm not going to say it's not innovative, it's not cool, it's not forward-thinking. Like, imagine watching OU Texas with Roy Williams and Chris Sims in a group chat where, you know, you can talk with them about the game as it's unfolding. That's kind of cool. But this is basically happening because the Pac-12 network has been such a disaster and they've been unable to monetize it and get it on any serious platforms. That's been the issue for the Pac-12. So I know Big 12 fans are out there and they're like, this Big 12 now stinks, ESPN Plus stinks. It's glitchy. It's got issues. Like, I understand all that and I'm sympathetic to all of that as well. I've seen some of the same things that you are seeing. But with where things are, In present day, I much rather would be the Big 12 than the Pac-12. I would much rather be aligned with ESPN and Fox and their platforms and ESPN Plus 
than be going to Vidgo. Now, I'm not saying forward thinking is not a good idea if you're Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner. It's a fine idea, but sometimes your hand is forced, right? Like, would Larry Scott rather be dealing with ESPN right now or Vidgo? Vidgo might work out. He may be so ahead of his time, none of us saw it coming. But I think we're years away from that being the case. And while ESPN certainly is the butt of a lot of jokes, and we are not here to be ESPN's best friend, never have been, never will be, that's not our job, and that's never our intention, you got to admit that ESPN, when it's just doing live sports, has done it pretty darn well for a generation, right? Like, leave the editorial stuff out of it, leave all the personality stuff out of it. Just producing live sports, they've been pretty damn good and successful at that for decades now. And they want ESPN Plus to succeed. They want Big 12 now to succeed. Yes, there's got to be improvements in terms of technology, but that is oftentimes coming from what is on these Big 12 campuses because it's basically being outsourced through the Big 12 brand and the ESPN brand to these universities, and that is where I think some of the problems have been. I think it's been on the university end, so it's, it's something to keep an eye on as this thing does move along, and we'll, of course, keep tabs on it for you at heartlandcollegesports.com. But I found it very interesting that this got no news last week, that the Pac-12 basically has a new streaming partner in VidGo. Nobody's talking about it, and it's kind of out of necessity. The Pac-12 has got to do something to start getting more attention because it's just not happening for them. They're missing the college football playoff left and right. Uh, you know, they've had some good years in basketball, but a lot of their blue bloods are down in football and in basketball. That's a problem for them. That's a problem for any conference. And it's got to start turning around. I mean, heck, when Mike Leach is leaving a pretty darn successful tenure in the Pac-12 at Washington State for Mississippi State, which I know under Dak Prescott had its moment where they were, what, top two in the country. I know that they've gotten there before. But Mississippi State is still a bottom feeder SEC West job. And Mike Leach is like, yeah, I'm out. See you later. That is damning. That is really damning for the entire Pac-12 when that happens, to lose a guy like that who was one of the few people and few programs making some noise and making some headway in that conference. So tough ride right now for the Pac-12. So I'm not saying love ESPN Plus or love Big 12 now. But just know, big picture, the Big 12's in a much better spot than certainly what the Pac-12 is in. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Well, it's great to have you on board. And coming up, let's talk to Matthew Postens. Get a look inside the Big 12 basketball scene. He's the best at it. That's next. Hey, guys, it's Pete Mundo. And as we keep it rolling, we talk stats all the time on this show, right? And did you know that 85% of women think bad grooming is a major turnoff? 80% of women think men should manscape. 89% of men think good grooming is essential to their professional success. That's from Business Wire. Well, that's why we're proud that support for Heartland College Sports comes from Manscaped who's the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. How about that play on words? You guys like that? That's why the revolutionary Lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary advanced skin-safe technology so this trimmer won't nick or snag in the place you don't want to nick or snag, right? It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. 
It's exactly what you're looking for, especially as you go for the uh, you know new year, new me here in 2020. So go get 20% off and free shipping with the code HEARTLAND20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping with the code HEARTLAND20 at manscaped.com. Join the other dudes helping themselves with Manscaped with a special offer just for our listeners. 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Well, as we do each and every time this week, we welcome on Matthew Poston, Big 12 Basketball Insider, joining us here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Matthew, a lot of action this week, but first let's talk about this uh, past weekend, the Big 12 SEC Challenge. Take us through your thoughts on how those 10 games went, which ended up in a 5-5 split. Yeah, I thought it was kind of interesting. I actually thought the SEC was going to win the challenge this year because uh, just a you know little concerned about that gap between you know the really the top three or four teams in the conference and the rest of the teams uh, in the rest of the Big Twelve. But you know Baylor went to Florida and proved Fran Fraschillo wrong. He said they were going to lose uh, to Florida during the broadcast of the Oklahoma game that previous Monday. They won that game and they won it rather easily too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas won at home. I was at the Tech uh, game with Kentucky and. You know, Tech had every opportunity to win that game, and that really was kind of an opportunity lost for them. But um, Oklahoma barely won their game, um, and uh, Oklahoma State scored a win on the road against A&M that they really, really needed. So, you know, I think the big storyline and the takeaway for me is that, you know, the teams that I expected to play well and win, Baylor, Kansas, West Virginia, uh, they won. I expected Tech to play well, and they didn't play as well as they should have, but they were right in that game till the very end. So I think the top four teams in the conference certainly proved uh, that they could hang with uh, some of the best teams that the SEC has to offer this season. Is it disappointing, Matthew, knowing the SEC is obviously football first, second, and third? Is there a part of this that is, I guess, disappointing when you end up with a split with the SEC in basketball? You know, when they set these matchups up in advance, and I think they do it partly – with the expectation that teams will be able to be of the quality they were the previous year. You know, for instance, when you look at Iowa state, they drew Auburn. I mean, the way Iowa state has been playing lately, that probably isn't the best matchup for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas state uh, drew a pretty difficult matchup as well. Uh, still played that game close. So um, I think what's great for the conference about this challenge, whether it is win or lose, it's a break from big 12 play. It's an opportunity to test yourself and see how you stack up against other teams in the country. So while the time may be a little disappointing, um, I think come tournament time, especially for a bubble team like Oklahoma, which beat Mississippi State, uh, that's gonna, that win's going to matter uh, a great deal to them in determining whether or not they go to the NCAA tournament or not. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Matthew Poston's joining us here on the show. So, Matthew, as this uh, week has gone along, it was, uh, it was kind of a weird week for the Big 12. They had one game on Monday, Kansas-Oklahoma State. KU won that game by 15 Nothing on Tuesday. Then you had four games slated on Wednesday. The highlight of this week has to be uh, Texas Tech and West Virginia. The Red Raiders pulling off the upset on Wednesday night over the Mountaineers, who were ranked 12th coming into that game. How surprised were you by that, considering you saw this Texas Tech team on Saturday and you saw them lose a close one on the road against, or excuse me, at home against Kentucky? Yeah, you know, I think the big thing that I came away with from the Kentucky game was that this. Texas Tech team simply wasn't shooting the ball very well, uh, especially from three. I think it was a six for 31 from three in their previous two games going into the West Virginia game. And, you know, I kind of felt like, you know, as good as this team is, if they're not shooting well from three, 
uh, it makes a difference. I mean, they lost that game to Kentucky in overtime, and uh, you know, one more made three-pointer from Davide Moretti or Jamias Ramsey would have made the difference in that game. Um, they've lost a couple of other games too because their shooting wasn't really up to where it has been over the past couple of years. But they shot the ball really well against West Virginia uh, on uh, on Wednesday night. They did some interesting tweaks. They 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 brought in a press early in the game to kind of try and throw West Virginia out of their rhythm. Um, they shot well, especially from three. David Amoretti, Ramsey, and Terrence Shannon Jr. all had more than 20 points. But, you know, it, it, it was the kind of bounce-back game that Texas Tech needed after the loss to Kentucky, losing to West Virginia on the road, losing to Baylor at home. You know, I've kind of been saying for the past couple of weeks that this team really still kind of lacks that primary ball handler, and they may not end up finding that primary ball handler by the end of the year. But maybe this win helps them turn the corner to a certain degree to where they're, they've been really inconsistent as, as Big 12 play has begun. Maybe this win is a springboard for them to become more consistent because they get Kansas on the road on Saturday, and then after that, it's a diet of TCU, Oklahoma, Texas, Kansas State, you know, games and teams that they should be able to beat. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, it, it clearly, and we talked about it last week, so won't touch on it necessarily this week, but it clearly is a conference, it seems like, of the haves and the have-nots this year. So some of the other action from Wednesday, I mean, you had Texas over TCU, and it looks like TCU's coming back down to earth after a hot start. Uh, K-State over Oklahoma. Out of those two games, what was the bigger surprise to you? I think the bigger surprise to me was probably Texas. They, they've Texas is 500 at home this year after the win. They're, they're, I'm sorry, 500 on the road after the win over TCU. Uh, TCU's been 11 and three at home. Uh, you know, you know, Oklahoma usually plays pretty well on the road, and they didn't play well on the road against Kansas State. But that's also an environment where they've lost their last seven games at Bramlage Coliseum going into that game. So I wasn't necessarily expecting them to win that game, but I felt as if TCU missed a golden opportunity to to secure another win. Uh, at home, kind of, you know, burnish their credentials for the tournament a little bit more because if you look at Joe Lenardi's bracketology, which was updated on Tuesday, right now there are only five Big 12 teams that he considers to be NCAA tournament worthy. Uh, Texas and TCU are not among them. Uh, in fact, they're not even bubble teams in his uh, uh, bracketology right now. They're not even the first four out or the second four out. So Texas and TCU have some work to do to impress the committee based on that. So Texas going on the road, beating TCU, uh, that's a pretty significant deal for them, uh, especially after the, the egg they laid against West Virginia a week ago. So when you look at it then, Matthew, as, as we uh, roll along here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, what about this Baylor team? They roll Iowa State. They get the win at Florida over the weekend. You know, it's been a topsy-turvy year for number one teams in the country. Can Baylor keep this going for a couple weeks? I think it's going to be really interesting to watch because I, I don't know that there's a better team right now in college basketball, not just talent-wise, but just in terms of the way they're playing. I mean, it, it's great because they, they've got a guard-laden team, and when one guard doesn't have a great game, a couple of other guards step up. Uh, Mark Vidal might be the best role player in the conference. Freddie Gillespie has grown into a tremendous, impressive forward, and they can go eight or nine deep on their team and not have to really, uh, you know, not necessarily break a sweat. They don't, they don't lose a lot of quality play if they have to dip into their uh, bench. And then you look at their schedule, the next three games, TCU at home, Kansas State on the road, Oklahoma State 
at home, and then they go to Texas. I mean, they've got four straight games now where they're not playing ranked teams. Uh, two of those teams are under 500 overall or at 500 in the case of Oklahoma State. Uh, there's a golden opportunity not just for them to continue to keep rolling and continue to remain the number one team. The best start that that program has ever had in conference play is a 10-0 start as part of the Southwest Conference in 1948. They have a golden opportunity to exceed that if they can, can continue to play as well as they played the first month of Big 12 play. Matthew Postens joining us, our Big 12 basketball insider here at Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. So, Matthew, as you look at this conference right now, I know, you know, January's wrapping up here, so we've got another month plus a couple days of the regular season. Then before you know it, Big 12 tournaments here and then the NCAA tournament. Where do you think we are right now? I don't know how much you've been looking into the bracketology, but where are we right now with this conference and how many teams might be dancing? Uh, I think right now it would be up to seven. And you know, as I mentioned before, you know, Baylor right Baylor and Kansas right now are both one seeds according to Joe Lenardi. West Virginia is a two, uh, Tech is a ten, Oklahoma is an eleven. Uh, but they're not, you know, they're they're a little precarious. They're what Lenardi calls the last four buys. In other words, the, one of the, part of the last four teams that don't have to play play-in games uh, in the field of sixty-eight. TCU and Texas are the two teams that to me, really have an opportunity to continue to try and burnish their credentials in part because they're both well over 500. Uh, unless you win your conference tournament, you're not going to get into the NCAA tournament with a uh, losing record. And right now, Iowa State's 9-11. Uh, Kansas State is 9-11. Oklahoma State is 10-10. and It's not that they're eliminated from contention at this point, but they have to do a lot of work over the next six weeks to put themselves in a position to even get any kind of recognition from the committee. So, to me, I think that there are probably four solid teams in this uh, conference right now with a fifth team in either Texas Tech or Oklahoma that I think will probably improve their standing over the next few weeks. And then it's a matter of whether or not TCU or Texas can get in as a bubble team. So it's starting to look like we're not going to have as many Big 12 teams in the tournament as we've been used to the past couple of years. And I think that is in part you know, to that chasm between really – you know, the top three or four teams in the conference and the rest of the teams in the conference. He's Matthew Postens, does great work for us at heartlandcollegesports.com. Always appreciate him coming on the show each and every week during the basketball season. Matthew, fantastic insights as always. Enjoy the games on a Saturday, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, thanks, Pete. Coming up, we're going to talk to David Kenyon, Bleacher Report, a little Big 12 football and basketball talk coming up next, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. We've got a few minutes left here on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. I'm Pete Mundo. Thanks so much for joining us and being a part of the show. So want to spend a few minutes here on just a recruiting update and give you a rundown of where teams stand right now and where the Big 12 in general stands. So I'm looking at the ESPN recruiting rankings. I like to mix it up and bounce through all three of them, Rivals, 247, ESPN. So for this conversation, let's use ESPN. Right now in the top five, you have Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, LSU, and Ohio State. Kind of par for the course, right? Then you go to Auburn at six, A&M at seven. God, does anybody do less with more than A&M? Florida at eight. Oklahoma is nine. Michigan is 10. Texas is there at 11. So Texas a little bit behind where they've been the past couple of years inside the top five or 10. We'll see where they finish here in the coming weeks. They only have 17 commits right now. So 
of all the teams in the top uh, 10, Texas has by far the fewest. So it may just be a numbers game as well. Let's see who or if Texas adds anybody here over the coming weeks. But after that, a huge drop-off in the Big 12. You got to go down to TCU. TCU at number 33 is the third-ranked team in the Big 12 per the ESPN recruiting rankings. And then you get a bunch of Big 12 teams. Iowa State, 38. West Virginia, 42. Oklahoma State, 43. And Texas Tech at 49 for teams in the top 50. Now, it's good to see Texas Tech climbing. Baylor's got some work to do with Dave Aranda, but uh, I'm not too concerned about that staff at all based on that staff that's being put together. What a staff, by the way. Dave Aranda's uh, putting together, and yeah, he's got some money to burn, huh? I mean, gee whiz. Mac Rhodes really backed up the, uh, the truck and said, hey, buddy, here's the dough you need to get these guys down the Waco. But the problem for the Big 12 right now is that the gap is still there. Now, I know Texas, I mean, outside of – 2018, Texas is basically a 7-5 and five program for the past decade, and you can sit there and scream and say recruiting rankings are overrated, and I get all that. I do, okay? But Oklahoma State, now I know there's time, but Oklahoma State can't be finishing with a team on recruiting rankings outside the top 40. I know that you can say, well, nobody takes a three-star and makes them a five-star like Mike Gundy. Okay, true. So what could Mike Gundy do with the right five-star? I'm not saying you recruit the criminals, okay? Like, that's not what I'm saying you do. You bring in criminals just for the sake of doing it because he's a five-star guy. I understand wanting character individuals. I'm all for that. Character is something that is often overlooked in these recruiting rankings in football and in basketball. You need the right guys, not just the best guys. But, man, Oklahoma State should be easily a top 25 team in recruiting because they're a top 25 team year in, year out. I just I know that it's, it's beating a dead horse to some people in Stillwater. But, man, they, they got to be picking it up. And TCU had some top 20, top 25 classes here the past couple of years. Maybe Patterson closes strong, but they've fallen off a little bit on the recruiting trail from where they were a couple of years ago. And West Virginia, you know, if Neil Brown can get this team into the top 30, it may not happen this offseason. But if they're recruiting consistently at a top 25, top 30 level, you're happy with that. You are happy with that at West Virginia. The Kansas and Kansas State schools, they're always going to be outside. And Iowa State, top 40 right now. If you can get top 30, you're happy. But that's probably where Iowa State football is generally going to be here in this thing. Um, and that's where you got to look at things right now. You know, as I was looking around the country, though, teams that stuck out to me, Nebraska at 23, I know that they are struggling as a program, and Scott Frost has a lot ahead of them here. But Nebraska should have never left the Big 12. It's a topic for another day, but, boy, they should have never freaking left the Big 12. I know they're going to say, all oh, stability, money, yada, yada. You should have never left the Big 12, okay? And now as we have a couple of minutes left um, – just want to spend that time for a little bit here on on the passing of Kobe Bryant. I know there is no Big 12 tie to it per se. I was a big NBA guy from like 95 to 05. Big NBA guy. And it wasn't because of Kobe. Like, I'm not a diehard Kobe guy. I do have an old school Lower Marion High School jersey of his uh, that I have rocked many times. But I wasn't a diehard Kobe guy. But I'll tell you what. When you think of this tragedy... And you think of a guy who's 41 years old, 
four daughters. His life might be halfway done. To be sitting there and thinking about the fact that he was in this helicopter and he's there with his daughter going to a basketball game, going to coach his daughter, doing what he loved with seven other people. And to pass away like that, to die like that, if that doesn't get you even just a little bit emotional, I don't know what will. I don't. And when you think about this, and you know, I love the Ellie Duncan, the um, ESPN Sports Center anchor who got hashtag girl dad going. If you haven't seen that, you have to find that on social media from Sports Center the other night. But as someone that is a uh, father to a young daughter, you know, that that really hit home. And to see this last week unfold the way it has, and just as a sports fan, as a father, this is the kind of moment that gets you to just step back and realize that no matter how crappy of a day you're having, life's good, and most of the things that are annoying you on any given day is just petty nonsense. That's it. Cherish those moments, enjoy those moments, and you know, as you get set for... The weekend or whenever you're taking in this show on radio or podcast, just take a moment out to to smell the roses. It's a cliche, but in a day and age when we're so wrapped up in what is happening on that little screen in our hands, just take a moment back to step back and appreciate what I know each and every one of you listening has, because we all have something to be grateful for no matter how bad the day is going. I'm Pete Mundo. We're Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. If you could take 30 seconds out, leave us that rating and review. It would mean the world to me, to us. And uh, if you want that koozie, leave us a rating and review. Send me a screenshot of it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. In the meantime, have a great day, guys, a great week. God bless. We'll talk to you soon.